Hello from the newsroom of the Financial Times in London, I'm Josh Noble and this is News in Focus where we offer our insights into the global news stories that matter. The race for the US Democratic presidential nominee is hotting up, with a huge field of 23 candidates all hoping to run against Donald Trump in 2020. Courtney Weaver is focused in on one of those candidates, Kamala Harris, and she talks to Neville Hawcock about how the campaign is shaping up. I've been a career as a prosecutor. I prosecuted banks. I prosecuted big pharmaceutical companies who were preying on the most vulnerable and consumers. I prosecuted the big banks and for-profit colleges who were defrauding homeowners and consumers. And I'm gonna tell you somebody else who has defrauded the American people, Donald Trump. So we need to prosecute the case. And I wanna tell you, there's a rap sheet full of evidence to make the case. Let's look at what happened. He promised health care, and then he tried to rip health care away from millions of people. What's that called? Health care fraud. He said he was for working people. Then he passed a tax bill benefiting the top 1% and the biggest corporations in this country. That's tax fraud. He believes the president of Russia and a North Korean dictator over the word of the American intelligence community. Securities fraud. And then he claims to be the best president we've seen in a generation. Well, I say let's call Barack Obama because that's identity fraud. We just heard a clip from Kamala Harris speaking at a recent campaign rally in Iowa. Courtney, first tell us why you chose to profile her in particular of all the potential Democratic nominees. That's a great question, Neville. I think the reason I thought Kamala Harris was so interesting was because there's so many candidates that have really been on our radar for a while. Joe Biden has obviously run for president twice before. Bernie Sanders has run once before. And Elizabeth Warren, even though this is her first campaign, we've heard a lot about her during the financial crisis. Whereas Kamala Harris, I think people know who she is maybe, maybe know a little bit about her background, that she was attorney general of California. But I think a lot of people I had spoken to here in D.C. and around the U.S., they didn't really have a sense of her and who she was as a person, her background and her ideology. And so that's why I was kind of fascinated to learn more about her and kind of see what she stood for. So she was Attorney General of California. What was she doing before that? What's her background then? So she grew up in Oakland, which is right outside San Francisco. And after graduating from law school, she was working in the district attorney's office there. And she launched this kind of underdog campaign to be district attorney of San Francisco when she was in her 30s. And she was running against two much better known competitors. No one thought she had a chance. She was pulling in the single digits at the beginning of her race. And against all the odds, she managed to beat them. She ended up in a runoff with one. And then she unseated the incumbent. And this propelled her into talk of being, you know, future attorney general of California, which she was, and then senator of California, and kind of launched this remarkable rise for her in a short time. Is she seen as having done a good job as district attorney and attorney general and senator? At the time in San Francisco, I think her record is very well regarded. It's kind of an interesting story. So she was running again against a better known white male Republican opponent. And people thought at the time, you know, how can... A progressive, you know, she calls herself a progressive. How can, you know, a liberal San Francisco district attorney beat him in a runoff in California, which typically tends to pick uh, Republican attorney generals? And she did. But now she's in this interesting position where, 
you know, in her attorney general race, she was criticized for being too liberal, not tough enough. And now during the Democratic primary, she's getting it from the other end of the stick. And people are saying, well, you know, she calls herself a progressive prosecutor, but looking back at her record, there are other things that she could have done for criminal justice reform that she didn't do. So she's getting criticism there. How is she doing overall, would you say, out of the 23 candidates? Yeah, 23. So she had this huge, impressive launch in January. The campaign estimates that there were more than 20,000 people at her rally in Oakland, which was just huge. She raised a very impressive amount of money in the first 24 hours. And then in the first quarter, she did pretty well fundraising-wise as well. And since then, her name has dipped out of the 2020 narrative. People like Biden or Bernie Sanders or Pete Buttigieg, who's the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, who had this meteoric rise in the polls, and now Elizabeth Warren as well. They seem to be sucking up more of the attention. And some people have been wondering, you know, why is she not doing better in the race? And and why isn't she getting that attention? In the clip, she's talking about prosecuting Donald Trump. Is that reaching out to the Democratic base? Will that boost her chances, do you think, that kind of tough talk? Yeah, I think there's a lot of people in the Democratic base right now who want to see impeachment proceedings begin against Donald Trump and who want the Democrats to take further action. I think within the field of 2020 candidates, she kind of went out on a limb on that. You have others like Pete Buttigieg who said, you know, being president, your job is not to prosecute your political enemies. And some people are drawing comparisons between Trump's own 2016 campaign and the locker up slogan that his supporters would chant against Hillary Clinton and, and how badly that was taken by some on the left. But I do think there is a wide swath of the Democratic primary electorate who do want to see action taken against Donald Trump, who do think that there should be obstruction of justice charges brought against him. In your research for the article that you've written for FT Weekend magazine, you've met a lot of people who've actually worked with Kamala. What were their impressions of her? I think my biggest takeaway is, you know, she is someone who does her homework. She doesn't like to make mistakes. She likes to be well prepared. They said she's not, you know, a fly by the seat of your pants politician, that she likes to go into meetings feeling like she has control of the situation. I know some people in her current office, when she does briefings, she likes to do them in a very small number because she doesn't want to be surrounded by all these people and maybe say something that comes off as ignorant or that she doesn't have control of the facts or the situation. And she's just kind of applied this diligence and this persistence to her career and to everything that she's gone after. They said that she has her eyes on the prize. And you see that now with for jumping from attorney general to senator to presidential campaign. Well, I'm always keen to avoid unscripted moments, so I can totally relate to that. But let's hear a clip from one of the people you spoke to, Jeff Adachi, a late San Francisco defender who often sparred with Harris when she was the city's district attorney. Well, she's always been extremely charming and talented in terms of a people person. You know, she's got grit. And to me, you know, that's probably more important than anything else. You can pick up the other kind of skills. I mean... You know, being book smart, you know, knowing the law or knowing mm-hmm. policy. You know, she's not a policy wonk. She's not someone that's going to sit there and talk to you about policy. I mean, she has enough information about the issues to to know what's going on. She's not someone that gets caught in the weeds. You know, she's very much a delegator. You know, she's not the kind of person who feels that she has to have her, her hands in everything. And, uh, you know, people have this described her as cautious. Yeah, that's true, but you don't get to where she is by being careless. That's not Kamala's style. I mean, I think, you know, when she gets behind an issue, it's generally been well-researched. There's a plan of action, and, uh, you know, she's very comfortable. So judging by this assessment of her personality, Kamala may be playing a long game. 
When's the next big test for the would-be Democratic nominees and when will the process of choosing a nominee reach its conclusion? So the first big test we're going to have is the first Democratic presidential debates, which start this week on Wednesday and Thursday. The candidates have been split over the two nights, and so we'll have 10 candidates on each of the stages. But Harris will be on the same stage as Biden and as Bernie Sanders, Pete Buttigieg. And so I think just seeing these candidates in contrast with one another, even though they won't actually get that much time on stage because there's so many of them, just seeing how they interact with one another and who has a breakout moment, I think, could really shape the race. And then there'll be another debate at the end of July. So I think we're really picking up speed here. Obviously, the first votes don't come until January when the Iowa caucuses are. So until then, there's a lot of things that could happen and people could switch positions in the polls. So that's going to be a study in contrast because we'll see how the candidates literally measure up to each other. Right, right. And, you know, supporters of Harris who've been disappointed by how she's done in the polls so far and how much attention she's gotten, they think this could actually be a good forum for her. If you watch her when she's on the Senate Judiciary Committee, she's actually very good at grilling people on the stand, whether it's Jeff Sessions, the former attorney general, or William Barr, the current attorney general. And so this could be kind of a breakout moment for her, they think. But it will remain to be seen. At the back of the Democrats' minds as they look at this will be Hillary Clinton's defeat by Donald Trump in 2016. How do you think that's going to influence their choice of candidate? I think a lot of people are looking at 2016 and how Donald Trump managed to win the presidency, and they obviously don't want to see a scenario like that again. So when you look at polls of Democratic primary voters, people say their number one concern is having a candidate that can beat Donald Trump. And that's why I think a lot of people see Joe Biden, who's currently number one in the polls, as the main contender right now. But at the same time, looking back in 2016, some Democrats say Hillary Clinton suffered from a lack of enthusiasm among certain Democratic voters. And they obviously don't want to see a repeat of that again. So they would like to see a candidate who has the enthusiasm of the base and feels like a fresh new face, which obviously Joe Biden isn't as much. So that could end up working in a candidate like Kamala Harris's favor. Because she could be a new face that would enthuse voters. Exactly. But by the same token, there are a lot of new faces. There's 23 candidates overall. Elizabeth Warren, you know, is a relatively new face. She's never run for president before. Uh, So is Pete Buttigieg, a very new face. So there are a lot of other options out there. The expression, the tyranny of choice, comes to mind. Exactly. Let's end with another clip, this time from a rally you attended with Harris, also in Iowa. Well, speaking truth, then all this comes back all. But there's another thing about speaking truth. Yes, people may walk away from that conversation thinking, you know, I don't particularly like what I had to hear. But they will also walk away from that conversation knowing it was an honest. Well, she's promising to speak the truth, but it'll be interesting to see how Kamala Harris's cautious approach plays out against the backdrop of a sitting president who is constantly straying from the script. Thanks, Courtney. Thank you. That was Neville Hawcock talking to Courtney Weaver in Washington, and you can find a link to Courtney's magazine article in our show notes. Thanks for listening. Don't forget, if you missed our recent episodes on Donald Trump's clash with the ECB, Philip Green's crumbling fashion empire, or Facebook's digital currency venture, you can find them all on the usual podcast platforms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.